What's going on, guys? This is Eric, and you listen to The Brush Up, where I run you through the headlines of news, sports, and media. This is episode 10. Finally hit the double digits, so uh, let's get right into it. A woman that was losing her life with a battle of cancer, uh, she was really sad because she always enjoyed this one restaurant that was hours and hours away, um, but she just was never able to have it again because of COVID and everything being shut down, and you can't do takeout. Uh, that was that far away. Apparently, it was all the way from Baltimore to Vermont. So it was a six-hour drive. And she was really missing this restaurant. So one of the family members actually reached out to the restaurant owner, being like, hey, is there any way you could teach us like a recipe of apparently her favorite broccoli there? That's something she really wanted before she passed away. And the owner's like, no, nah, I'm not going to give you away my recipe. So instead, the owner got in a car with uh, two employees of the restaurant, actually, and they drove out from Baltimore to Vermont, made the six-hour drive, and they cooked this food right in the uh, parking lot of where this woman's condo was. And then eventually they went in there and served it to her and everything, and apparently she was, like, crying through the whole thing. She just thought it was so great. Uh, And it's just, like, a really good thing to hear again, just these people making things kind of work during COVID and kind of people being nice to each other in a really long distance. Uh, and the workers accepted or refused actually payment from the family. Um, and all they did was just return back to Baltimore after they kind of went there and made the food. So good for them. Uh, I think that's a really cool thing that they're doing. Maybe a lot of people start calling them and expecting to do it to others. But this lady that really wanted the broccoli apparently was a longtime patron. Uh, next piece of good news. An endangered species of condor are returning to Northern California. So for the first time in 100 years, the endangered California condor will be returning to the Pacific Northwest. These condors are being reintroduced by conservation services into the Redwood National Park and a Native American ancestral territory. I I think it's called the Yurik. I don't want to mispronounce the uh, Native American name, but I think it's... Uric, I would pronounce it maybe. But they're reintroducing these condors into the area. The species was on the brink of extinction, and then these conservation services took them in and were getting the uh, population back to something where they could release them back into the wild. And this just shows that maybe, in this case, the conservation service really did work, and they're bringing back the species to a place of health where they are large enough to once again go out and just naturally mate out in the wild. And these birds are huge. These condors are huge. Uh, they're the largest soaring bird in North America with a wingspan of almost 10 feet. So if you can just picture like a basketball hoop, like where the rim's at from the floor to there, that's their wingspan almost. That is a giant flying bird. Um, so, I mean, maybe if I ever visit California, I'm in the Redwood Forest and I see one. I mean, I'd probably be scared shitless, but I think it'd be really cool to see. Uh, but the full release is expected... Uh, for these animals back into the wilds in late 2021 and and into early uh, 2022, just depending on how uh, effects go and weather and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that's really good to hear that. Once again, we're bringing back another endangered species. I just talked about the cheetahs last week. Um, so, yeah, looks like a lot of conservation services are doing great things to bring back species that are otherwise going to go extinct. And then the last piece of good news is that after wildfires, uh, in many locations, especially California, trees are just left dead without roots to grow or sprout again in many cases. So it is needed to reseed the ground so these forests can once again grow and um, 
taking carbon dioxide, release oxygen into the atmosphere. So this company called Drone Seed is bringing a new vision in how to reseed these burnt down forests. The company is going to fly a bunch of drones uh, over these areas and acres and acres of areas, dropping 57 pounds of tree seeds. Notice is each drone drops 57 pounds. So that's a ton of seeds. Yeah, I think you only need a, like a couple of those to take. You can't have like 57 trees right next to each other, or 57 pounds of trees, tree seeds right next to each other. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. They can't be that close together. Um, but they're seeding microsites actually so they can pinpoint locations that are expected to have the best chance for these trees to grow and prosper. And this seeding process operates six times faster than what the traditional planting method was of just hand planting after these wildfires. So their capabilities cover about 40 acres per day and it costs between $275 and $400 per acre. Now that may seem like a lot of money. Um, say it's $300 an acre and you're doing 40 acres. That's right, that's going to get up there. But this is a 60 to 70% lower cost than the traditional reforest seeding so they're bringing in a faster approach a cheaper product uh and just all the way around labor intensively easier so this is awesome um i hope the company works out this drone seed company and i hope that this can be applied in more scenarios like uh if some sort of uh like that emerald ash borer thing where the uh, insects start eating all these trees um, if they can bring that into the, kind of those scenarios and reseed those areas just as easily, I think that'd be awesome. Uh, just kind of expand their applications beyond just wildfires. But now we're going to move on to the U.S. and world news. First piece of world news, the Europe vaccine rollout continues to be super slow. So this is concerning because the U.K. has its own strain of COVID now. So now there's three um, three global strains. I looked up and made sure there was just three. There are just three. It's the South African, the like European UK one, they're kind of calling in the initial normal one. There was like a Brazilian one, but nobody really talks about that anymore. So I don't know if it was just lumped in with like the South African. Um, I said South American the first time, I meant South African. Um, but I think it was just lumped in with one of those must have been the same because there's only three strains that they really talk about now. Uh, but these halts are due to concerns with health health difficulties that I've previously talked about where some people were getting like blood clots and other issues post-vaccination. But the thing people weren't really realizing was that the percentage of people that were getting these conditions after the vaccination is actually within the kind of um, leeway area of what is expected when doing vaccines. So clearly not everybody's the same. So the vaccine is going to affect a couple people different, right? And that's why in many cases they always ask about allergies and things like that. And these other like rarer conditions like blood clots and other problems uh, do occur in an extremely limited number of people. So the number was that across like millions of people being vaccinated, somebody in like the tens, like between 10 and 20 people were getting these kind of higher blood clot, other things going on. And that, like I said, that's expected in any vaccine, not just the COVID vaccine. But the problem is people just think this COVID vaccine was rolled out so fast and there wasn't enough testing on it and things like that, that like, oh, this is a product of that rather than that's just something that happens in vaccines. So people are very nervous to get it. And what's actually happening now is that Europe only has 10% of the region being vaccinated with the first shot of the two dose shot. So this is, that's not very much. They only have 10% having one stage done. And this is far behind what is expected and was needed to help stop the spread. Uh, and the slower 
that we stop the spread, the more chance that it's going to have to mutate and give us other problems. So hopefully Europe can figure it out and people can kind of accept that this is something that we need to do. The next piece of, I guess this is world news, the Robinhood app, which was involved in the previous controversies I talked about with GameStop and AMC. So they're getting rid of one of their controversial features, which is uh, whenever you make your first purchase, apparently, I don't use Robinhood, but apparently whenever you make your first purchase or um, like reach a milestone, apparently like confetti comes up on the screen. It almost seems like a game, right? They're not really talking about the fact that you're actually trading real money and things like that. It's like, oh, it's a little game. Like, hey, yay, you purchased something, right? And they're getting rid of this because they've been getting a lot of backlash about it that they're not really making like a serious thing to be an investor um, and stuff like that. So they're getting rid of that. Uh, and they're also being sued for what happened previously with uh, the whole GameStop AMC. If you guys don't remember what happened, it was that – at one point, they halted purchasing uh, those stocks and only allowed you to sell, which eventually crashed those stocks specifically. And now those stocks aren't near what they were at the time. Um, Robinhood did say that this was a reason. Uh, the reason being for this was because they had to pay so much money in, uh, like it was like a purchase thing. Whenever someone is purchasing a day or in a week, they have to pay uh, an amount of that back to their overarching corporation or something like that. So they're being sued for that still, but now they're getting rid of one of their most controversial features with the confetti. They're trying to get to that more like serious investor app where um, you're not like rewarded for buying something beyond the money you could potentially make. Next piece of U.S. and world news. Um, this is U.S. news. I didn't put this in the sports section just because I thought it belonged more in the general news, but legendary NCAA coach Roy Williams is retiring after 33 seasons of being a coach. He coached at both UNC and Kansas, uh, and I guess UNC again because he was an assistant coach at UNC for a while. But uh, Coach Williams is one of the greatest coaches of all time, and he's literally synonymous with UNC and basically synonymous with winning. Like Anybody that follows college basketball or almost just basketball for that matter, knows of Coach Williams and heard of Roy Williams. So in his time just at UNC, because that's where he's most known, he led UNC to three national championships and five Final Fours. Uh, he was there for 18 years, and he also coached at Kansas for 15 years. He recorded 903 wins across his coaching career in the NCAA, which is the third most of any Division One coach. He's right behind Coach K and Jim Beheim, <clears throat> And... Roy really Roy Williams, excuse me, really got his start was he was the assistant coach under Dean Smith, who once again is the absolutely legendary coach. Um, if you guys don't know him, just literally Google uh, basketball coach throws chair, and you'll <laughs> this is mid game you'll see Dean Smith throwing a chair across the court. But that's really where he got his start in coaching. He studied under one of the best, and he became one of the best all time. Um, yeah, he's one of the greatest coaches. He he can't even be inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame now that he's retired because, well, he already did that while he was coaching. He was inducted in 2007. So just what a career by Roy Williams. I'm curious to see who <clears throat> UNC gets to be their next coach. Um, yeah, it. I don't know. Hopefully it's somebody just as iconic as Roy Williams. Uh, actually, he's also had the conversation with somebody else about how Coach K may be retiring soon from Duke. Also just one of the most well-known coaches of all time. So, yeah, great career by Roy Williams. I wish him the best in his retirement. And, <clears throat> excuse me, last piece 
uh, U.S. news. Um, sad one here is that another shooting occurred yesterday. This one was in Orange, California. Oh, it wasn't. It didn't say Orange County. It just said Orange. Orange, California. It was in Orange, California. Um, four people were killed, including one child, at an office complex. A fifth person was wounded and taken to the hospital where they're currently in critical condition. Like I said, this just happened yesterday, so that patient's uh, status is probably still ongoing, and I hope that person can recover. So the shots fired were called in around 5.30 p.m. at this location, and then post that, the shooter had a bit of a shootout with the police. The shooter was then wounded and transported to the hospital, and uh, new news is just being released uh, on this constantly because the investigation is ongoing. Because they always have to look into motives, uh, reasoning, and then no names have yet been released. Uh, the suspect's name hasn't even been released yet. So uh, prayers to those families that were involved with that. Um, it just seems like pretty often lately I'm always talking about some sort of shooting that's going on. So hopefully next week that won't be in the news. But now moving on to sports. Tough to go from a low note to a high note, but I'm going to try to do it. Um, the NCAA tournament is still going on. We're now into the final four teams. The teams are Gonzaga, Baylor, UCLA, and Houston. So that's two one seeds, an 11 seed, and a two seed, respectively. And there's some underdogs that I talked about in last week's podcast that just couldn't make it. Like Oral Roberts just couldn't quite outdo Arkansas to get to the Elite Eight. Um, if you watch the game... Came down to a buzzer beater. It was a great one. Came down to the buzzer beater, and it was just off the mark at the last second on a three-point shot by Oral Roberts. Um, then after that, Sister Jean and Loyola couldn't make it past Oregon State. Oregon State later lost to Houston uh, in the Elite Eight, but Loyola just couldn't edge him out. I was really hoping they were. I love Sister Jean. She's awesome. I mean, Oregon State was the underdog here, but I think Loyola's kind of like I don't want to say America's team, but everybody loves Loyola. I don't know anybody that hates Loyola. Um, and then the last underdog that couldn't quite pull was USC, couldn't beat Gonzaga, but I don't know how many people really expected them to win. Gonzaga is an absolute powerhouse. If you watch them, they just dominate every opponent that they've played so far in the tournament. But the underdog that's still going and keeping that dream alive is UCLA coming all the way from the play-in game. Um, yes, yeah, so like I said, they're an 11 seed. They beat Michigan in the Elite Eight. Um, and it was an absolute defensive battle. It was insane. Um, extremely low-scoring game, but UCLA, UCLA was able to come out on top. But now, looking forward to the Final Four, which is coming up this Saturday, uh, Gonzaga plays UCLA. Here, I'm picking Gonzaga just because they've looked so good. Like, yeah, I'd love to see the upset story, but when you just look at the two teams, um, Gonzaga has just been absolutely dominant. I mean, UCLA is a very defensive team, so if they can somehow lock down Gonzaga's offensive just capabilities and like Jalen Suggs and their other players, um, yeah, they stand a chance. But I just think I don't think anybody's coming close to Gonzaga. Even, yeah, I don't think anybody is. Um, and another game is Baylor versus Houston. So this is a one versus a two seed. I mean, I think it should be a good game. In my mind, it really could go either way. I honestly don't know who I would pick here. Um, yeah, so that's just going to be a good game to watch. And then the championship game will be happening on Sunday. And that's going to determine the best team in college basketball this year. So, yeah, watch some basketball this weekend. There's going to be three games. Jeez, I almost said six. That would have been way off. There's going to be three games. Um, so, yeah, catch those games if you like. 
And other sports news uh, is that NFL owners and organizations have agreed to extend the season to 17 games. So starting in 2021, the regular season will be expanded to these 17 games. And this is just going to generate more money for the country's richest sports league already. Like, yeah, they're going to sell more tickets, have more uh, ad revenue, uh, all that. Just one more week of uh, of their regular season. So, But apparently the vote was not unanimous. Um, Bears owner actually voted against the additional game. This is probably because they just drafted Andy Dalton and they're potentially going to have a horrible season because I don't think anybody actually believes in Andy Dalton. And they just don't want it to go on for one more week. So, yeah, NFL season will now be 17 games. And now moving on to celebrity news. There's a study apparently that came out that Prince William was the world's most attractive bald man. And people quickly took to social media comparing him to other bald men. Uh, people such as Vin Diesel, Jason Statham, and The Rock. And, I mean, I'll get into it more, but I just, when I first thought, I was like, how in the hell is Prince William the most attractive bald man ever? I'm like, if I was in the running against him, I'm pretty sure I'd win. Um, but The Rock, The Rock was named the world's sexiest man in 2016. Like, how, how is the world's sexiest man not the world's most attractive bald man? So, but after looking into it further, apparently a study was done by a medical tourism facilitator that connects UK patients to surgeons in Turkey for hair transplant. So it was probably a very promotional uh, endeavor, kind of like showing people like, well, who's the most looked at bald man in the UK? All right, it's going to be Prince William. And well, I guess we'll use him to get, get us to have some more sales in our uh, hair transplants. But the, the internet was able to freak out about this for a little while. I saw some funny videos about it. So yeah, that was the celebrity news. But now, everybody's favorite part, maybe not, fact of the week. Um, what I'm going to talk about this week is a Mobius strip. So this is a one-sided surface. And it's kind of hard to visualize, but it can be modeled by taking a piece of paper and then flipping, like, so rotating one side a half a turn and then taping the two sides together to make a sort of, like, a sort of loop, okay? And it becomes one-sided because if you take a pen or a marker or whatever and mark one side, it's kind of like a trail all the way around, you will eventually return to the point you started at, but all areas will be covered by that. So... It, it's it's quite impressive. I I don't know. It's very weird thinking that you can take a two-sided object, like a piece of paper, and then kind of turn it into a one-sided object. Um, and then if you take a Mobius strip and cut it down the middle, so picture you have like a, I don't know, like a one-inch wide Mobius strip, you cut down and make two half-inch wide sides, it's still going to be one shape when you're done cutting through. It's not going to pull into two. It's still going to be one connected thing. And this can only be said for one-sided surface things. So if you do this with, say, a normal loop, it's going to, of course, you can easily visualize this, it'll just become two loops. But a Mobius strip remains one object itself. And there's a lot of weird properties to it. So say you're standing on top of the Mobius strip, right? And you want to go like, okay. And so you're standing on top and you have, say, two right-handed gloves or mittens or whatever. And you're like, well, I need one for my left hand. So what you could do is take that one, uh, take one right-handed glove and walk it all the way to the point where you're, I guess what you could call halfway, but it'll be the same point you started at, but it'll be on the under, I don't want to say underside because it's all inside, but like the reflected 
area of where you originally started from, and that right-handed glove will now become left-handed, so you will have a right and a left-handed uh, glove. So a bear, basically, it's a mirror across itself. It's super weird. It, it's very tough to visualize. I know it'd be easier if, I guess I could just show you with a piece of paper, but I mean, it's a podcast. Maybe I could do like a visual one day. I don't know. Um, but this also extends into higher dimensions. So there's a three-dimensional model of this, and that's called a Klein bottle. And here, the inside of the Klein bottle is also the outside of the Klein bottle. So the inside is the outside. Once again, very weird to visualize and see. Um, I encourage everybody to kind of go out, look this up on the internet. They are very impressive. And the Klein bottle and Mobius strip can actually be brought into higher and higher dimensions where, I mean, when you're looking at a 3D object that's like this, or a 4D object, sorry, that's like this, that's just, I mean, it's impossible for the human brain to visualize we're three-dimensional beings. So, yeah, Mobius strips, Klein bottles, all that stuff. Super cool, super weird, kind of some crazy properties. I encourage everybody to go and learn a little bit more um, beyond what I said here. I think I covered all like the general things about it, but uh, probably a little confusing. So if you want to see some visuals, go online, check them out. But now moving into the last thing, the heat of the week. Um, NF has a new album. I don't know if I previously talked about it. I'm pretty sure I just talked about uh, some songs on it. But check out the full album. It's good. And then Justin Bieber released out of its... I mean, back in the day, I want to like date myself, but back in the day, it was called like the B side of the disc or like the B side of the record, right? But Justin Bieber came out with, well, I'm just going to call the second side of his album. There's some additional songs. Um, they're also really, really good. So I encourage everybody to go check that out. Uh, but with that, we're going to wrap up episode 10. Thank you all for listening. And I look forward to seeing episode 11.